horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. So happy that you joined us. I hope everything is going well in your world. I know if you're uh, out west, it's a little bit nasty out there as far as the drought and the heat. Um, I haven't gotten anything yet on any uh, impacts that it uh, will have on any of the tracks that are currently running uh, but you might want to keep an eye on that because, you know, out there, remember last year we had cancellations because of forest fires and things like that. Hopefully, racing will go just fine. As far as uh, graded stakes, well, you got to get up early in the morning and, uh, you know, uh, check out uh, uh, TBG or Twin Spires because what's been happening is all the racing is not even around here. It is over in Ascot, England. That's right. All those guys walking around in penguin suits with the high hats um, are taking in the races. And they are great. Get up, at least on the east side of this world. Um, the races start at 930 in the morning, uh, go right up till about noon. Every one of them a graded stakes race. Uh, usually kick it off with a grade one. Now, Wesley Ward has not set the world on fire yet. All of his horses have given a good show of themselves, uh, but I haven't seen him in the winner's circle yet. Not to say that I didn't miss a race somewhere, but I think I would have known about it. And uh, he will uh, have a couple uh, starters tomorrow in the Commonwealth Cup. It's the Champanel. And on Saturday, he's got a long shot in the Albany Stakes, the Golden Bell. Don't forget, that's the Diamond Jubilee on Saturday. So um, that is a Breeders' Cup win and you're in. So uh, if you're looking for immediate action, it's all across the pond, as we like to say, at Ascot. It is really something to behold. These one-mile races straight. They don't even go around a turn. It's, it's interesting to watch. Here... Uh, in the U.S., uh, most of the graded stakes races is probably taking place closer to Sunday than Saturday. Now, on Saturday, uh, we do have the grade three San Juan Capistrano. That is at Santa Anita. They've been running that race forever, and you better have good lungs because you're going one and three quarter miles in this hundred thousand dollar race and this is interesting no big standout look for acclimate probably to be on the lead just got caught by award winner in the uh, charlie whittingham last time out but a lot of these horses uh warden jerry astronaut red king acclimate They've all taken turns beating each other. So once again, sadly, only a half a dozen going to post for the hundred grand grade three uh, destination. But it's not an easy race to handicap at all. That will be Saturday at San Anita and Pacific time. It's a late one, six twenty nine. So seven eight. 
9.30 almost if you're Easter Standard Time. Now, also on Saturday in the 10th race, the Roxalana Overnight. That's right. It's not a graded stakes race, uh, but it is an overnight stake. And uh, this one should be a very interesting race. Uh, made the uh, slight favorite is Sconson. Uh, who just came out of a win at the winning colors at six furlongs. The Roxalena will be six and a half. Tyler Gaffleone will be in the saddle for trainer Greg Foley. Also getting a lot of backing, I would think, would be Bell's the one. Uh, winner of seven to 17 starts, Corey Lannery, regular rider, will be back in the saddle for my buddy Neil Pesson. So uh, this horse is always there. Uh uh, he ran in last year's uh, winning colors and took it by three links, uh, but did not meet Sconson yet. So Sconson's looking for bigger and better things down the road. So that's probably the one you might want to key on top. But after some of the upsets we saw last week, don't throw out Bell's the one. And then on Sunday, it's the grade three poker. And uh, that is at Belmont Park. They're putting up a quarter million dollars for four and up. Hard to say that there's a huge standout here, but uh, luckily, you know, a decent little field. We got uh, nine going to post in there. It's one mile on the turf, including 1.4 millionaire raging bull who will Break from the inside with a jockey by the name of Irad Ortiz. That's right. Irad Ortiz, who was injured in a spill, got uh, cut up a little bit when he got stomped on. He's back in the saddle. And good news for everybody. He won the third race at Belmont Park today from four mounts. So that's kind of some of the action you want to look. But the bottom line is this doesn't matter where the action is, what level race. We got it for you with our easy win forms at winningponies.com. Let me just give you a couple of the recent winners because they can happen anywhere. How about I give you the finger legs result? Uh, this uh, was just two days ago. A 50-cent pick five that we gave in the easy win forms paid 1623 Let's go as far away from finger legs as you can to Golden Gate. Just a couple days earlier, a $1 super high five paid 2125 And how about in the middle of the country, Arlington Park? Get it while you can. We still don't know what's going to happen with Arlington. Uh, this this was uh, five days ago. We pulled down a, just a 20 cent pick six for over $2,300. Now, Arlington, it's still like going to a circus trying to find out what's going to go there. The balls are juggling. The newest player in the ring is the Sh Chicago Cubs. Not sure what they want to do with it. Um, I don't know if they'd use it as a training facility or if they'd continue it as a racetrack. The thing is that may come with a gaming license, which is going to be a nice kick in the butt. Of course, there's always been threats about moving to Arlington Heights. Um, we're, but whether or not that will be seen, we will find out. Again, a little side note there on our Arlington Park. Now, who are you going to be talking to today, John? Well, Terry Meeks, who's been on with us on several occasions because he is the main man at the Jockey Guild. And uh, uh, he's been president and CEO 
Oh, I added a couple weeks there, but uh, we're talking we're talking 14 years. I'll check about that. He'll uh, join us for the first segment. Uh, he uh, has just an amazing uh, pedigree, shall we say, for doing what he does, and he does a great job. Now, lately, there's been a lot of headlines. Um, when the Jockeys Guild informed its membership that starting on the 1st of July, Monmouth Park Jockeys will no longer be covered by Guild insurance policies. And he's going to clarify that for it, but as I understand it, uh, Monmouth is considered a dangerous situation, just like there are some tracks uh, south of the border that um, the Jockey Guild does not, shall I say, recognize uh, as places you want to be insured in because there's more of a chance of you getting in an accident. They have determined that Monmouth is like that because of what is going on with the whip. I'm not going to tell you all that. That's why we brought in Terry Meeks. He's going to clarify it for you. And then a guy that you just have to give a tip of the cap to, jockey Deshaun Parker. Deshaun was on a couple years ago, but uh, he's really coming off a roller coaster year. Uh, on the downside of the roller coaster, he lost uh, his longtime agently, but most importantly, uh, he, he lost his father, who was uh, North America's uh, first uh, black uh, steward uh, in um, in the country. He, of course, uh, applied his trade in the state of Ohio, where Deshaun Parker's won his fair share, but he did so much riding. Uh, Billy Johnson, just such a great uh, agent when he was with us. It's sad to lose him. He was a guest on the show several times. Um, they, they they were leading riders from West Virginia to Texas. Try to figure that out. This guy knows how to be an agent. And most importantly, Deshaun Parker knows how to ride. But on the good news side of things, let's not get maudlin, John. Deshaun Parker was named the winner of the 2021 Wolf, Wolf Award. And uh, any jockey you've talked to that's won the Wolf Award will say it's the best trophy they got on their mantle because it was uh, voted on by their fellow riders. All right. Now, uh, we didn't have a graded race on Sunday at Mama, but we did have a really interesting stake, and that was Mama's Pegasus. Mandaloon, who could be elevated to the winner of the Kentucky Derby, got the job done, but it wasn't easy. Uh, came out of the gate kind of awkward at one to five and only had four rivals, but he was squeezed back to last and trailed the field uh, as they went around. And then all of a sudden, he, uh, Wayburn looked really, really salty on the turn, but Mandaloon was uh, making progress and got up beautiful, energetic handily from Jackie Florent Jarou. So, uh, got pinched at the start, overcame it. Mandaloon, is he the best in the country? We will find out. All right. Congratulations to trainer Carl Broberg. He just passed the 4,000 win. Now, a lot of jockeys. A lot of jockeys don't get to 4,000, and for a trainer to do it, that is amazing. He saddled his first winner in 2009 at Ratama 
Park. And uh, he he uh, won five races on Friday uh, to get over the hump. He was a native of, of Chicago, uh, though he started at Rotama Park. Uh, he, he's raced in many, many quarters, obviously hugely successful with 4,000. And also a tip of the cap to Gerard Melanson, who won Win number 5,000 as a jockey. He's uh, one of those Louisiana. If you got the name Melanson, uh, 99 to 1, you came from Louisiana. Uh, he wrote his first winner back at Delta Downs in 1984. And now he has uh, ridden his way into a very exclusive club, 5,000 as a jockey. And in case you're wondering, where's Swiss Skydiver? Because she got scratched from the Ogden Phipps. You know, Kenny McPeak, sharp horseman, decided uh, not to race her when uh, she spiked a little bit of a fever. And he posted a video today that showed her uh, galloping. She's up to Saratoga race course. She's looking really good. So uh, he's planning a two-prong attack. He's thinking he could race her in the shoe V on July 25th and then come back to the personal ensign on August 28th, which is a win in your in for the Breeders' Cup. So, Swiss Skydiver feeling good. She's uh, eating her oats and feeling fine. Don't forget, Ellis Park's going to be starting up. What a jockey colony they are going to have. And the main thing is Ellis Park, Del Mar, Saratoga, 100% full capacity. That's right, folks. Go ahead. Take the masks off and put a daily racing form and some easy wind forms under your arm and go to the races because they're not going to stop you. We're back to 100% capacity at some of the major racing venues in the United States. Well, that pretty much uh, rounds out most of our national news. Quick look at uh, the, the races we handicapped last week. Uh, upset time in the old Forster Mint Julep. Juliet Foxtrop looked like an easy winner as the heavy favorite in that race at Churchill Downs, but got outrun on the turf was firm. She likes a yielding course. Well, the firm course uh, liking went to an Irish bred minted, trained by Brendan Walsh. Ricardo Santana rated and kicked in, paid 20 then out at Santa Anita, it was uh, the speedy race for Calbreds, and the winner in there, Brickyard Ride, early speed, went all the way and pulled away in a hand ride, uh, 109 and 1, stopping the clock there, and at Mammoth Park, a lot of jockey changes there, but Jose Ferrer got the job done, what an upset! Our man, Uriah St. Louis, 161.60, if you bet informative, I'd, we've had him before, and Uriah says, look, if you don't get up to bat, you can't hit a home run. Well, he did in the grade three Salvatore Mile at Monmouth Park. All right, that wraps up things for what happened last week. Let's look at what's happening in the future and what's happening with the Jockeys Guild. The good go-to guy for that one is none other than T Terry Meeks. He'll be joining us right after this break on Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman that has never spun me in Jackie terminology. Anytime I've called him, he's been happy to come on the show. Uh, it, it's it's Terry Meeks, who's been the president and CEO, I'm going to say for 14 years now. I'm probably within a couple of weeks. Would you think I'm right there, Terry? Well, September of this year, it'll be 14 years. All right. Well, that's not bad for me. The way time's flying at my age, that's just a couple of weeks. But uh, anyhow, you know, when I do this, I try to research your background a little bit, go into some bio stuff. And I did know that you were president of Naira, but I forgot. I mean, you were in a perfect spot because you know an awful lot about the jockey game. You're, are you a second generation jockey agent? Well, my third, the man, I'm third generation in the horse industry. That really? man raised my dad, trained horses around Chicago and Hot Springs, uh, Carl Blair. And my dad was, his real name was Meeks, but he was raised by Carl, Carl Blair, Paul Blair. And my dad was an agent for over 50 years, and he had Irving Fires' book for 28 and a half years, and Herbie wow. Hanna-Holsa, and John Hackman, and Wendell Weeds, and Steve Coffin when he had the bug. So, where you now, are. Not- so. Were you just a kid, kind of kicking around the backstretch with your dad, or how did how did you pick it up? Yes, you know, no, I was with my dad because my dad was gone half the year, whether it be in New Orleans or or Kentucky or Florida, and I stayed in Chicago and went to school. I was the only child, so stayed. So anytime I could be with my dad, I was with him on the backside, and you know, just hanging around with him, and it was you know we rewarding to say the least yeah i guess you were kind of homeschooled huh (laughs) yep most definitely i was raised for the game and i knew when i was going to high school and college i knew i I knew i didn't know what i was going to be doing in third generation but i was going to be doing something Oh, that is great. Well, you, you, you've certainly uh, rose in the ranks uh, quite accordingly but it gives you a very personal insight 
into what goes into being a jockey uh, and not just going into getting them on the best horse and winning races, uh, but all the things that can happen. I'm sure both you and your father lost riders for a period of time uh, due to health reasons and the things that can happen on the track. And, and now for almost the last 14 years, uh, you have picked up the banner of trying to make sure that a, they don't miss any days at the races and B if they do, uh, they're very well cared for if they're members of the Jockeys Guild. Well, the one thing before that, I've got a son, I've got two sons. One's a mutual manager at Prairie Metals, and my other son's Kevin, who is a jocks agent. And going through it, and he's had he's got Edwin Gonzalez now at Gulfstream, but also he's had Kristen Torres and George Chavez, and basically um, Luca Panici. You talk about jocks getting injured or the tough breaks you know luke has been injured twice last year you know you know with the covid um you know christian decided last year to not to ride during a period of time so it's it's a tough game and you know and you're asking about what goes into mentality of the riders you know and it's it's really difficult you know one it's it's dangerous they all the jocks know the risk um a lot of jocks have said to me they rather to die than be paralyzed yeah. But also, um, you know, it's when you only win, good jocks win 18% of the time. You know, so you're you're basically losing 82%. That's, you know, 80 to 90% of the time you're losing. So then you're, you're dealing with, you know, depression. You know, you're not positive. You're, you're getting taken off amounts you, that you think you're working horses in the morning and don't get to ride them in the afternoon. So it's really difficult. Um, you know, and basically you got the ambulance chasing you. That's the only, you know, sport the ambulance follows you in, in the, on the track. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's dangerous, but it's also, you know, a major issue that you have to overcome, you know, well, mindset wise. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I was uh, at the track yesterday talking to a good friend of mine who's been a leading rider a couple tracks. And, you know, he said he was going to lose the mount on a couple stakes horses because an owner called him and wanted to chat. And the trainer called him up and said, hey, don't be talking to my owners. And he's like, right. hey, the, the guy called me. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Insult him by hanging up? And he says, he says right. this guy calls me, you know, every couple of weeks for no particular reason. And the trainer got mad at him just for answering a phone call. So it is crazy ways that, that, that you can lose it. But the Guild's done so much in, uh, you know, getting out in front of you guys already know the risks and, and what can happen, but you, you know, I, I've had on some of the doctors you've worked with as far as, uh, you know, working on the headgear, but th there's kind of a, a new thing that I read about. I'm going to say about a week or so ago, it's called the head check program. And, uh, as I understand it, and you'll correct me, I'm sure, basically it's to try to give racetracks a heads up that by the way, um, when Joe, Smith shows up tomorrow. I just want to let you know he was in an accident two days ago at another track, and you need to have him checked out. Is that it in the nutshells that you're kind of, you know, waving a flag, trying to warn him that, hey, you need to know that this guy was in, uh, you know, some trouble recently, you know, physically, um, and we wanted to 
have you keep an eye on it or you explain it to us? What What is the head check program? Well, the head check is a, a variation of what we try to do the last 10 years in working with the jockey club and the jockey health information system. It's trying to keep your medical history secured online, whereas the first aid has it, you know, the jocks themselves have it, and a, basically a record of their medical injuries and or medications that they're on, um, you know, basically um, your physicals, you know, every, anything that pertaining to your, uh, your x-rays when you had a broken vertebrae or whatever it may be, concussions, so... But we've tried to work it and work, try to get the racetracks involved to do it, and it has not been successful. Now, fast forward to, you know, past a year ago, um, head check, we, we start, you know, it started to develop in, in Maryland and Delaware. We've, got, we've had four or five presentations um, presented to us, we're, you know, to the board and to the staff and stuff like that. We're going to try to set up something with a couple – people that's on the advisory safety committee for the horse race and integrity and safety act. Um, but we think it's important, you know, it's any time that you have that communication and dialogue between the doctors, the paramedics, the nurses, the jocks, and the communication between, you know, state, you know, states, you know, whether it be in a Atlantic, you might run right at two or three different um, tracks in a couple of days. And, you know, there's one jock that got, had a concussion in, Maryland went to ride at um, Kentucky, and you know we knew it, and we basically stopped it. But um, it's more the communication is better for the jocks and their families long term. So we think this is a good thing. You know, it's you know the issues we have is okay, who's funding it, and how is it going to be funded, and um, and then the hip issues and trying to get around that. But we think sure. this head check is a is a good thing for everybody. You know, not only the jocks and their families themselves, but the other jocks riding in races, the other horses. So there's a lot to consider and and basically the well-being for everybody that's out there. All right. We're talking with Terry Meeks, the uh, president and CEO of the Jockeys Guild. Now, uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the corner is uh, is uh, the headlines that are kind of uh, taking your, or shall I say the gills, a, a recent action into uh, – uh, the June 7th letter uh, that uh, told membership that starting July 1st, the Mammoth Park jockeys would no longer be covered uh, by the guild insurance policies. At first reading, you go, hey, what do you mean? These are supposed to be uh, their members. But you know, it, it's what I understand is that uh, it all goes back to and something I've been – anybody that listens to this show knows how I feel about uh, trying to restrict whips um, – that it, it, the fact that they have been so restrictive on their whips, I just found out from a jockey today you can't even show one to a horse, is that uh, there's uh, that they're not getting any money coming in because there's there's no per mount fee. But so basically, Mammoth has created a dangerous situation, and you're saying I don't want to insure a dangerous situation. A am I in the ballpark on my assessment? I wouldn't say Mammoth has created this. It's a New Jersey Racing Commission, you know, uh -huh. dating back the last couple of years, um, that they basically come up with a rule um, dating back to April of 2019, and we've been dealing with it. We've been going through a public comment period, and 
oh, about two and a half months ago, um, and this was a year ago, a year and a half ago, we did a public comment in opposite, strong opposition to it. But lawyers got involved um, two months ago. We basically had tried to have a commission meeting and have Joe Bravo and Nick Juarez talk. The, the commission refused to, to listen to Joe Bravo, and his nickname is Jersey Joe. Sure. And, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't take any input from the, the jocks or they didn't want to hear from, they don't want to hear from us and talk to us. They don't want to hear from um, any press or anybody that calls and talks to them about it. But, it, you know, our board, and again, our board is Johnny Velasquez and Mike Smith are co-chairs of the guild. They're both in the Hall of Fame. They've both ridden approximately 34,000 miles. Javier Castellano, who's my son-in-law, basically he's ridden, you know, another Hall of Fame rider, ridden 20,000 miles. Joe Bravo's on the board. He's ridden 30,000 miles. And Julian Le Peru, Alex Berzer, Joel Campbell, Rodney Prescott, uh, Drayden Van Dyke. You know, um, we've been discussing with our board for the last two years, not only about New Jersey, but, you know, about California, Kentucky, and New York. And basically, Johnny Velasquez and Mike Smith has been out there the last year and a half, two years, along with Aaron Greider and um, Javier and Julian and Joe Bravo. We've been talking to regulators horsemen's organizations, uh, tracks, and basically we're trying to come up with a uniform rule. You know, nobody wants to listen to Johnny or Mike. You know, and and again, it's not Mindy Coleman, who is our attorney, or myself, but we wanted Johnny and Mike to be the spokesman. They're out there. They're both well-respected. They're in the Hall of Fame, and nobody wanted to listen to them. And, you know, we try to come up with a uniform rule, which it's not good to have 16 different versions in all the different states. It's not fair to the, the jocks themselves, but to the, the horsemen, to the owners, to the betters, uh, to the regulators, the stewards, and you can go on and on. But we need to have one uniform rule. And, you know, we've had, like I said, Zoom meeting. The pandemic hasn't helped matters. Cause, but we had Zoom meetings, and sure. Johnny Mike been out there, as I said, the face of it, talking about it. We come up with, you know, going back to New Jersey, they didn't want to talk to us or get involved. We had Johnny and Mike and myself and Mindy Coleman were on a Zoom meeting with the Mid-Atlantic. Well, I don't think they participated in in that Zoom meeting because one, you know, one of the men running the meeting basically said, we don't think the New Jersey was on because – they're on a different island than themselves. <laughs> um, so, which is not good, you know, and it's, you know, we need, you know, it's all this is not good. Our board, who I said, who our board is, has been saying for two years, we need to come up with a safe rule for the last six year and a half or so year. Anyway, they've been saying about the New York, uh, New Jersey rule that the rule is dangerous. You know, it's a safety concern. Um, you know, and it, it, what's really troubling and, you know, is basically we've worked for the last 12 years, try to improve the safety for not only for the jocks, but for the horses. We've worked with the industry, you know, basically on a number of safety issues, better helmets, better vests, safety rails, paramedics, warning systems, you know, and it's working, but why we're going to a, a, a thing when 
as I said, the Hall of Fame jockeys are out there saying this rule is dangerous. Why are we going backwards to get, you know, why are we, t- Johnny was on a, a radio show, Johnny and I were on a radio show about three weeks ago, and Johnny said, basically made a comment. He said, jockeys are, it's like Russian playing Russian roulette. You know, where he's rolling the dice and what's going to happen, you know, it's, you know, it's not good. It's not going to be good. And I, you know, again, the problem that we have, or everybody's taking shots and being critical and stuff like that. People haven't, you know, regulators, you know, a lot of stewards, but not as much stewards, but the regulators and the racetracks have never ridden in a race. <laughs> you know, I yeah. can say I've ridden so many races in my life because I grew up in it and watched them and had interest in it, but I've never been in a race. And I said to one guy, one person this morning, this afternoon, basically, you and I never rode in a race, but I got to respect, you know, there's two people, in my opinion, that's probably relates to fans better than anybody, you know, say the top five people. You'd have to say Johnny Velasquez and Mike Smith that represent our industry. They're respected, you know, and, you know, it's, I'm not going to, you know, again, I'm going to, if Johnny and Mike say it's a dangerous rule, it's not safe, it's not in the best interest of racing, I'm going with Johnny and Mike and our board. That's not only them, but it's our our entire board. And I think it's, people got to realize that. Now, a year from now, there's going to be a, you know, we're going to try to get a uniform rule. Johnny's on the advisory board for the Horse Race and Safety Integrity Act. That hopefully, coming out of that, there will be one rule uniform, which, could, in my opinion, would be the best thing for our industry. But we got to think of all the affected parties. We got to think of, you know, let's go back one step. Ten years ago, the Jockey Club called me and said, "We got to do something on the poppers." We changed the poppers. This is back in 2008. We changed all the poppers. It took us a year or so to get it straightened away. But basically, all the horses, you know, it's equine friendly. Horses are not getting cut up or have any welts. And basically, it's I would say it's 98% basically cuts and welts have been eliminated. We've done a terrible job basically educating the general public. Okay, that's number one. So the horses are not getting cut up like they used to back in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, the cuts and welts. So that's gone. Can we work on a perception? And we have been trying to the last couple of years. We understand that, you know, something needs to be done. So we tried to do that, come up with a rule that was fair for everybody. And having 16 versions is not good for anybody. It's, make, it's no. making it worse. <laughs> well, we're... we're no. it, 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 in a few minutes here, we're going to be talking to one of the top jockeys in the business, and I'll ask him where he weighs in, none other than Deshaun Parker, a winner of the recent uh, George yep. Wolf Award. I know you're familiar with him. So Absolutely. let me get his read on it. And Terry, I may be calling you back uh, sooner than you think because there's so much to talk about on this, and we'll, we'll see what shakes out in the near future. But, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You didn't come out of some ivory tower and, and all of a no. sudden become the president and CEO. You worked your way up. You had dirty boots. You watched your dad do it as a kid. You've been an agent yourself and you know what these guys go through and uh, a tip of the cap to you and uh, keep doing what you're doing because my favorite athletes are jockeys, Terry. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. All right. That was Terry Meeks. Going to take a quick break and 
Really looking forward to having Deshaun Parker, the recent 2021 George Wolf Award winner with us here on Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, many, many moons ago, I told you that if you took out a dictionary and you looked up the term class act, that uh, that in there you would see a photo of Daryl Parker. Well, who knows? As time goes on, that class act uh, photo might be replaced by by his son, Deshaun, who certainly is a class act. He's a great representative of, of what's good in riders in the world. Uh, he, he's hardworking. He's a family man. And uh, he, he's a guy that if you met him in person in his street clothes, you'd say there's no way this guy's a jockey. That has to be part of the conversation. Uh, but uh, Deshaun, it has been quite uh, a year for you on many levels, hasn't it? No, well, it's been a hell of a year. It's been uh, a lot of ups and, uh, you know, some downs. But, I mean, we're getting through it, so we're just handling it, you know, as best as I can. Well, you know, uh, we just uh, have to let people know what the downs are because I- I've announced them uh, both on this show uh, after they happen. Uh, the-, the first... Um, what was uh, your agent, Billy Johnson? I mean, you right. guys, you were, you were probably more like brothers than agent and jockey uh, as many years. But, you know, I pointed out at the top of the show, who who else could be an agent that could have the leading rider in West Virginia and then 
down in Texas. <laughs> it's the same guy, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, and, yeah. As you, as you know, he was a fun guy to be around. But man, he did his work, and uh, he just uh, uh, he fell into a gold mine when when he st- struck up a relationship with Deshaun Parker. And, and you two guys made quite a formidable team, just about anywhere you went. Yeah, Billy, I'll tell you, Billy was a great agent. He just loved his job. I mean, basically, his life was his job. So, I mean, that's what he really enjoyed. And he got, a, you know, a big kick out of, you know, talking to trainers and, you know, having people. You know, he always wanted to do something for somebody. So that was just Billy's manner. I mean, that's just the way he is. He, If he could help you out, he would go out of his way to try to help you out. And, I mean, that's just anybody. So, I mean, he was definitely a great agent that way because he would – he would call a lot of trainers and let them know that, you know, there was a race for your horse here and, you know, there and stuff like that. Even if he didn't get the ride, he still, you know, made that call and everything like that. So, I mean, like I said, I've talked to a lot of different trainers over the years, and they have nothing but great things to say about Billy, and I have nothing but great things to say about him. He was a great man. Well, uh, he wasn't the only great man in your life. Uh, you, you, your father, uh, Daryl, was a personal friend of mine, and uh, – you know, I, I can't I, I know that he was a major influence uh, in your life and in your career. And I know he had been kind of in and out of the hospital over the last couple of years. And he just seemed to I'd go up to Mahoning Valley and there he'd be again. I go, Daryl, you're not supposed to be here. He goes, well, I tr- proved him wrong again. Uh, but sad, sad to say uh, uh, your dad's not with us. But uh, describe to our audience uh, the influence that, that the your father had on you in the sport well i grew up you know in racing with my dad so i mean he was my everything is like we every summer after you know a school break and everything i'd go stay with him at whatever racetrack he was there was a couple times when we first you know when i was a kid kid he was a outrider at latonia and i'd hang out with him over there after the races he let me ride the pony back to the barn so i mean i got a kick out of that then when I became a little older teenager, we, he was in Cleveland, and he was a clerk of scales. So I got to hang out in the jocks room with him. And, I mean, just being around all the jockeys in that, in that atmosphere, I, I just got the biggest kick out of that. You know, just knowing I can go in the jocks room and talk to these guys, and they would talk to me and, you know, take me places and have fun with me. I mean, they, you know, my dad, you know, always had me there wherever he was, and that's what, you know, I just loved about him. I mean, no matter what he did, he always involved me somehow. I mean, that was even to, even to, you know, last year and everything, you know, me and my dad were so tight. He was just like, um, everything to me. I mean, he's like a man. I've always described him. He's, he can go into a restaurant or a bar and not know anybody and walk out of there and everybody knows him and loves him. I mean, that's just the type of guy he was. And <laughs> he, he loved himself. Yeah. I tell you one thing he did do for me that I, I just it, I, I couldn't understand how because he, he loves to talk to everybody. But I think that was his downfall. But he was an agent for me one year when I first started. And I tell you, he's probably my worst agent because he started talking to somebody. Two hours later, we're still talking to that same trainer. So, I mean, <laughs> he, he he never knew how to just, you know, talk enough and, you know, move on to the next trainer and stuff like that. But I mean, I loved him for that, though. Like I said, he can go any place and, you know, not even know anybody and come out and he'd be best friends with everybody. So, 
Well, any place I was with him, he knew everybody. He could have run for mayor, and he would have got everybody's vote in there uh, for sure. But he was a straight shooter uh, when he eventually made his way. Because uh, I've got pictures, black and white photos of him someplace. Hopefully, it didn't go down with the track. But uh, of him ponying at River Downs. Uh, yeah. And if, yeah. if people ever met your dad in person, they'd say, "There's no way this guy used to be a pony boy," and now. People probably look at you and say, there's no way this guy could be a jockey. Did you get dissuaded along your career because of uh, because you were a growing boy, let's say, and now you're a grown man and grown bigger than most jocks for sure at five foot ten? Yeah, that's always been like a downfall for me. I mean, not, you know, you go into tracks and you have uh, trainers looking up or, you know, looking up at, <laughs> at their jockey. Right. They're like, man, I can't ride this guy, you know. But once I think once they see me on a horse and see me ride, then it, it changes their mind. So, I mean, I, I've always tried to stay low on a horse as low as I can. That way I'm just showing them that, hey, I can get down enough to where it's not, you know, hurting a horse or anything like that. But, I mean, I've definitely had that. I mean, I've had trainers that wouldn't ride me, and now they're riding me now. And they, they told me before that was the reason they wouldn't ride me, you know. So, I mean, it, you know, but there's a lot of taller jockeys out now. So, it, it's been it's changing a little by little. Well, we're talking with Deshaun Parker, uh, uh, a, a jockey that uh, uh, is edging in on uh, career win uh, 6,000. He stays uh, uh, fit. He looks great. And when he just described the way he rides a horse, watch him. Go watch him. Right now he's at Indiana. He'll be splitting his time probably between there and Ellis Park. And you don't even – he just like – he envelops himself. He folds himself over on the horse and actually almost seems to be like an extra layer of muscle in the way that he rides a horse. And it's 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 a beautiful thing to see. And all of a sudden people understand that, hey, he keeps his weight down. He's still got his height. But, God, he just becomes a part of the horse. It, 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 it's a thing to behold. Well, obviously – um, your your riding ability, uh, your career, and the class that you have always exuded has landed you in, in a place uh, that's kind of rarefied air, and, and that's the George Wolf Memorial Award. And Deshaun, I've had a lot of great jockeys on this show, including you, uh, that have won the Wolf Award. And somewhere along the conversation, I'll say, gee, you won the Eclipse, you're in the Hall of Fame, things like that. What, what, what do you feel most honored for? And to a man, Deshaun, they say, winning the George Wolf Award. And I say, why? Even though I know the answer. And they say, because it's voted upon by my peers. Yeah, you know, I uh, I got a chance to go out there that weekend, and I talked to a lot of those the George Wolf Awards winners, and I, I mean, pretty much just as much, just like you said, all of them said the same thing. I mean, and they were just saying it's just it's just a certain you know uh, class of you know riders that it's the best thing that you can be in with, and I you know, and when I got out there and felt their love for it, it just made me feel even better that. I finally got to be in the, you know, in that, in that class with them. So I mean, that that was a great accomplishment. I'm, you know, I always told everybody I like to, you know, thank all the my ride fellow riders and everything that voted for me because, like I said, this was a great honor for me. And you know, and it happened at the right time too with my dad just passing and everything. So I mean, it really worked out perfect. 
Now, Deshaun, you, you, you told me this story because this is another guy that I've watched ride for years and uh, I really respect. But because of COVID, he kind of uh, disappeared. And that's uh, Louis Quinones, who rides, you know, kind of in this uh, Ohio Midwest area. He moves around. Doesn't really matter like you. Wherever he goes, he's one of the top jocks. But uh, you, you kind of made sure that you brought uh, uh, Louis along for the ride in your Wolf Award because he was an award winner too but because of covid it was never really recognized yeah and i was so proud of him when he won you know and i was like man it's, you know that was a great accomplishment and we both had billy johnson as the agent so i mean it made it even better and then um when they called me and told me i won i was like man i started thinking i was like is there any way that we can get louis colonis out there too because they, he didn't get to have you know his you know get to go to california and accept his award because of the covid so i was like man is there any way we can do that and they were they talked about it and they said oh we would love to do it so it was a great you know time you know out there with him he's like my little brother and i mean i've always tried to whenever i was whenever i left to go you know to indiana and ride and everything i made sure billy you know picked you know louis on his book, take his book and everything. I said, man, you, he, he kept asking me, who can I get? And who can I get? I said, you've got nobody better, right? But, you know, Luis Colonis, he's a hard worker. He can ride. He just needs the opportunity. And Billy, you know, took him on and they just went from there. And I, like I said, they were, they were, you know, battling for leading rider in the nation and everything. And he was, you know, working hard. He, you know, ride different tracks in the morning. And, you know, working in the morning, riding in Thistle, riding in Mountaineer. I mean, he was doing what I did when I was, you know, trying to, you know, win the title for the leading rider in the nation. So I just, you know, whenever it came that he was, he, you know, he won the award and wasn't allowed to go, I just wanted to make sure that he was there with me because, he, like I say, he's a great friend, like my little brother and his family. They're great people. And, you know, he, there was two, you know, two of Billy Rodgers out there. I mean, that was just something, you know, exciting uh, to even say, you know, this, you know, that Billy Johnson, just like I said, I just wish he was alive to, you know, be there and see everything because he would have enjoyed the moment and definitely want to enjoy California. Well, you know, in in these times that we live right now, uh, particularly over the last uh, two years or so, I, I, I think that, uh, America as a whole has has opened their eyes to a lot of uh, things that uh, black people ha have have brought, you know, uh, to to the history of the U.S. and and what you have brought to the history of of racing. Because if people go back and do their homework, they'll understand that in the earliest days of thoroughbred racing in the United States, it was dominated by black jockeys. And there's a lot of different theories on why there aren't many right now. Uh, but y you it, it just make a great representation. Um, I, I think maybe the young riders that might want to do it. Uh, but I just think that. Uh, you know, Deshaun, it came it came at the right time. Do you have any feeling along those lines? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we are definitely uh, the minority of the racetrack now, or used to be on the back. Or you went, when you went on the backside, you saw a lot of black faces and everything. And now you don't really see too many black faces on the backside anymore, like you used to. And I think that's kind of hurting, you know, uh, everything with with a lot of riders coming up in the game because. When we were, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, I was always on the backside, and, you know, love seeing what I saw, you know, seeing the races and love seeing the jockeys and love doing, you know, everything about the whole, everything, the racetrack itself is just, I loved it. 
And I think once you're not really there anymore, if you don't have, you know, your family on the backside, and for them to see it, that they're not really seeing the excitement that you've always, you know, seen in it. So I think that's what hurt us a lot, too, about, you know, a lot of um, black faces and, you know, riders coming up in the game anymore now. No, no, but I, I will say, if, if you think about it, and people need to step back and uh, <clears throat> look at just about any jockey colony, it really is an amazing blend of, uh, you know, international competitors, uh, not just guys sure. from different part of the U.S. I mean, the, the, you know, you, you've got... Uh, you, you know, the great uh, Eureka Rosa da Silva that came from Brazil, you know, and of course, Johnny V and some of the great uh, jockeys that came from Puerto Rico and some of the excellent uh, uh, Peruvian riders uh, uh, like uh, Edgar Prado. Uh, it really is a, a wonderful blend of the world behind those jockey room doors. Oh, for sure. And like, uh, and plus, you know, a lot of those, you know, jockeys coming from different places like that, they go to a jockey school and, you know, they're really into it from, you know, as babies pretty much, you know. So, I mean, they are really, I guess, you know, growing up in the situation more than we are over, you know, in the, in the U.S. anymore. Like I said, it just, it, when you're in that, in that field and want to be in the around the horses and everything you're you're just going to love it but if you're not around them and not seeing everything you know day to day everything that you do with them it's kind of hard to you know try to explain to people you know our lives and everything like that without you know seeing it and being in it so it's just hard to get you know black jockeys you know going again unless we get you know get them back on the backside again get the you know black people back there working and get them back there getting into the game again. Well, you know, I, I, I know a lot of those Louisiana families are second and third generation. Uh, is there any chance that uh, one of your two children might take an interest in racing? I think I know the answer. <laughs> My oldest son, he was, uh, he, he says it all the time. He would love to do it and want to be. When he was younger, he started trying to, to work out a lot and bodybuild and stuff like that. So he's all muscle now. So there's absolutely no chance of him doing it. My youngest son, he's the uh, spitting image of me. He's kind of, a, you know, a little shorter, but, I mean, he's tall and skinny just like I am. And he has never had show, or told, told me or shown any interest in being in horses. Or so I can actually say I'm one of those people that didn't have my kids on the backside, so I'm, I lost them there too. You know, and knowing all the things that can happen uh, from a personal viewpoint, it's probably somewhat of a sigh of relief that uh, neither of your kids are going to put themselves in such a dangerous career. Oh, for sure. I, I told my dad, I said, you know, I never really understood what he was feeling and everything until you, you know, you have your own kids and you start seeing them do things and then you start worrying about them. And I, I told my dad the one time, I was like, man, I don't know how you do it. He's like, you know. It's just something that you love and you always want to do, and you've done great at it. So, I've, you know, I've just looked at it like, you know, if things happen, it happens for a reason. And I tell him, you know, I, you know, that's what I said. I love my dad. I just miss him, you know, so much just because of, the, you know, the, the words that he say to you sometimes when, like, a lot of times when I'm going through a little, you know, a little times and you're a little down and everything, he'll come back with some words and just pick you right up. And I, I miss that so much. Uh 
You're you're warm in my heart, Deshaun, because <laughs> you, your father was a great man and a good friend. Well, listen, um, I thank you so much for spending this time with us. I know you're going to be extremely busy because it sounds to me like uh, your agent Jimmy McNerney's now already looking at mounts for you at Ellis and Indiana. So you might be serving double duty. <laughs> uh, you know, Jimmy, he's always out there working hard. So <laughs> you it's know, telling where I'll be with, with Jimmy. <laughs> It's going it's to make for a long summer, but I know it'll be a great one for you. Deshaun Parker, thank you so much for spending the time with us tonight on Winning Ponies. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on again. I definitely appreciate this. All right. Thank you very much. That was Deshaun Parker. And I want to thank Terry Meeks. I want to thank you for listening. Remind you, pull down those easy win forms. There's lots of big winners out there waiting for you. Thanks to my producer, Josh. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners. Winners.